Welcome back to another episode of the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on this week with JB and I'm joined by my esteemed guest, Pistol. How are you, friend? I'm doing okay, but I'm definitely not doing as well as you are. Do you want to shout it from the rooftops? How are you going? How is your rounds? What is your current rank? <laughs> okay, well, I'm I'm going... As well as I could be expected to Stop be going. Stop the humbleness. Just no, 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 get no, no, on no. with it. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me okay. out. I lost the friends this weekend. Zach Butters. Oh, I, was, um, I was surprised on, you had. Sorry, continue. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, Zach Butters onto the unfortunate scrap heap. That is my trade outs this year. Um, just unfortunate. I just wanted to say I've, I've, I've got something written down and it's, it'll only take like 10 minutes. So, um <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. I didn't have anything written down. Um, I scored twenty two seventy five this week. Um, I went up in rank to rank ninety seven for the year, which is amazing. It's my first ever top one hundred entry. Um, even though I finished about a hundredth a few years ago, I still never actually cracked the top one hundred. So it's been a big goal of mine. So I'm glad to have done it. Um, hopefully going up and higher. Obviously, um, but it is sad because Zach Butters was like my barometer to getting to where I am and now he's gone and he was going to score 150 and he didn't so <laughs> look on behalf of everyone here at Dr. Supercoach uh, I'd like to congratulate you on your current top 100 rank it's very impressive and hopefully you can continue the rise yeah fingers crossed um you actually had a bit of a rise as well this week you're going quietly well enough yourself yeah I'm being overshadowed by you and Cheezo though so it's a bit um unsettling for for me, to be well, honest. How is our how is our lowest ranked podcaster going for you? Oh, Surely, man, you know. hearing that sucks. But uh, no, 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 look, no, no. no I, got, I scored two one eight seven, I think it was, yep. um, and moved up to seventeen oh three. So one thousand seven hundred at this time time of the season is good. Amazing. So I can't yeah. be very upset. I'm just a little bit behind you and Chizo. Chizo's well inside the top thousand as well so all of us are doing you know awesome i just i'm not used to being third out of the three what, of us. what, what do you tell me every single season about how we start Chizo will ruin where his we... a year with his trades <laughs> no 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 and the, ends other up thing, third the other thing us. oh the other no, thing. no no stop yeah, the other <laughs> thing about how we start and when we excel the best as super coach players compared to the the casuals no it's all about in the upgrade season and Picking the, the right targets specifically, and you, the buy you, that's, that's 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 your bread and butter. It's true. I forgot about that already. That's how how my season's <laughs> okay, progressing. That, that's, the planning's <laughs> going well then. <laughs> good, good to hear. Oh crap! The buy rounds. I forgot about those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they are they are happening this season. Um, okay, enough about us. I'm going to go into the uh, Patreon shoutouts. Just a little bit of housekeeping. Um, we had five new signups this week. I'm really laughing at one of them. Um, Benaya Kine, the first one, Tim Robertson, Troy William, Muhammad Abbas, and I have a box-shaped head. <laughs> I like how it made you read it out on the podcast as well. Like... That, that wasn't that wasn't a sign-up. I, was, I just wanted people to know. <laughs> okay, I'm glad. Now we all know. No, we definitely appreciate um, I have a box-shaped head straight into Slack. Oh, do you? You as well? Yeah, <laughs> Straight into Slack <laughs> and uh, riding, riding away, which was nice. So, yeah, everyone uh, definitely enjoyed the, the entry of I Have a Box-Shaped Head. 
Oh my god, you're really, uh, really rolling without this podcast, aren't you? I've, um, yeah, I've got a couple <laughs> of shout-outs, but firstly, just to to roll back a little bit, um, you said that you make the the ground up on the casuals during the buy round this year, JB. I don't think we are going to be able to do that. Do you know why? Because I'll be ranked number one. Well, pretty much all of Doctor Supercoach is going to be making up most of the top ranks. This is an insane start to the year. There are 10 patrons in the top 53. I'm going to read them out. What? Two in the top 10 as well. Unbelievable. We have straight off the bat in fifth overall, Toby uh, with team 17, 19, 20. I don't know what relation those flags may be into, but you know, we'll move on. We've got the Dirty Devons part of Team Pistol <laughs> is ranked seven. Um, Sample Bombers, 14th. Darling, it hurts. Um, Chewy is 22nd. Tom's top Dons into 22nd. Timmy's Turtles, 35. The Chinaman, 45. Team Extreme, 49. Pocket Dogs, 53. And Supercoach Mama, also in 53. It is absurd that there is 10 people inside the top 53 as patrons. That is... And, and Paige Admin um, Hazard has joined me in rank at 97th. We are the exact same rank now. Yeah, but we like him a little so, bit better, so it ranks yeah. a bit no, no, higher. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay, and then fair as the okay. general Supercoach page, uh, Keisha and Becky, team number one, Stefan's leading the competition, rank one, which is also insane. So just I'm hoping at this season we're going to get some sort of Dr. Supercoach winner. I think this is the best chance that we've had in the last couple of seasons. We've all been up there, but this is... This is to an absolute extreme level. Uh, even our leagues, we have 11 leagues in the top 20 so far, including six of the top seven leagues are Dr. Supercoach-related leagues. I mean, this is easily the most dominant start and performance you know, Dr. Supercoach has put together. So, yeah, big pat on the back, I guess, to everyone, um, especially you, JB. I mean, leading by example there, 97th overall. This is, yeah, phenomenal. Hopefully it can be kept up through this whole season and we can get our very first ever Dr. Supercoach winner. I think it's it's a bit of like, I don't know, it's like a reality check to us because like we obviously work hard and, and do a lot of research in the preseason. And the fact that people actually listen to our advice and like we can we can see results coming from people who um listening to us intently and follow our patreon and like hear our reasoning uh, in words verbally and and also on paper is quite amazing but it's not just a credit to us it's a huge credit to the people actually in slack as well because um i don't know about you pistol but i kind of feel um what's the what's the word when you're just sort of surplus to demands there are so many good supercoach players in there giving advice and so many people who have started amazingly and um, they they thank us and they thank the community, but like there are just that many amazing coaches. They really should just be looking at their own decision making and taking a lot of credit for how they've started. So um, we're very very blessed and in good presence at the moment. Pistol. I mean, I'm just just scrolling through our our patron group um, chat rank over here. We have 50 patrons in the top 500. Like you know, this is uh, so every step along the way. It's you know ten percent 
is at least Dr. Supercoach. So if you want to get involved, if you have a high rank and you want to stay in the high rank, you want to talk to top coaches, be involved in the discussions of top coaches, see where people's or heads are. top coaches. Or even scout the top coaches. You know, our patron group is really where it's at this season. Um, it truly is. So, look, that's probably enough of our, our pump up. We probably yeah, need we'll to start. But I'll, I'll uh, quickly go through the Cancer Council. Quite a few donations, um, which is absolutely lovely to see. Thank you, everyone, for getting around the Cancer Council. Um, this week, we have the first one, Hygienic Nappies. Says, thanks for the advice. Keep up the good work. Thank you for being hygienic, and thank you for the good advice. We have Lockie Della donating for donuts and thanking Brett Ratton. I assume that's a Highmore related donation. So, well, thank you. Thank you, Brett Ratton. Uh, To H, he says, donating for dumb things pre-round three, I was given the choice to trade out Nick Cox or Paddy Dow for Impey. I chose to trade out Cox and he's gone on to pump out a 92 and 97 and would have been a fantastic rookie POD. That is an absolute killer. That is, that's painful. So, thank you for donating, H, and being honest. That is... That, that must leave a sour taste. Um, Chewy has donated to a good cause because he said, I'm sick of pouring all my hard-earned dollars into Meso's OnlyFans and then rolling on the floor laughing, rolling on the floor laughing. I'm pretty sure that might be an Android issue because it's just saying the whole emoji, but um, uh-huh. thank you for <laughs> that. Uh, Baloo said... <laughs> This was a funny. This was a funny bet. <laughs> Baloo said that if Roe would get a ton if he passed forty nine, because in his whole three game career, every time he's gone above forty nine, he scored a ton. So he pledged to donate if he scored between forty nine and hundred. He would <laughs> donate to the Cancer Council, and Roe obviously scored sixty seven. So uh, thanks, Baloo, for being a good sport about that. Um, but yeah, I did not like your odds when you said that at all. <laughs> So I appreciate you coming through with it. The odds were okay uh, until the second half. I think Rose saved it all for the second half. He was looking at going well under 49 and then... It's like <laughs> almost really a 50-point 50 50 last if, quarter. If he had two good quarters, uh, two good halves, sorry, then he might have got there. All right, so given all that... La- lastly, last one. Oh, my, there's Warren. more. Okay. Well, thank you, Warren. He says, donating for dumb things. He was being a little bit greedy with the captain score, not taking McRae to 137 and oh, instead no. going for... Grundy, yeah, that's not good. Yuch. yeah. If 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 you took Max Corn, you know, you would have got away with it. So you don't be too hard on yourself. But still, thank you very much for uh, supporting a great cause. Now, given all the housekeeping is underway, yeah, ten minutes um, in. Yeah, thank you. Um, we do appreciate our amazing donations. So thank you very much for that. Uh, we will dive into the podcast now and start off with the biggest talking topic, maybe of the Supercoach season thus far. I don't know I don't know if that's a big call or if that's maybe even an understatement. I'm but not Caleb sure what it's going to be. Oh, okay. It could, it could have been Butters. So I was like, oh, which one? Yeah. No, I, don't, I, don't, I honestly don't have the strength to talk about Butters yet. So we're going to have to ease into that. Yeah. Um, Caleb Daniel, however, put out a putrid, uninjured 19 Supercoach points and to make matters worse, decided to also get suspended for next round. <laughs> Uh, so people who keep him have to stew on the 19. Oh, God. Um, or people could just get caught up in the the rage and trade him out. So we're going to have an interesting discussion about Caleb Daniel, whether we should trade him out, who we, who he should go to if we do go down that path, um, and what happens if you have him and the next person that we're talking about, Zach Butters. So firstly, Pistol, I want to ask you straight up, you are an owner of Caleb Daniel. Unfortunately. Do you think 
from next week when he returns onward, he averages 95 plus for the season. No chance. Absolutely no chance. Okay. Now, this is important because this is going to get a lot of people off of the fence because I've asked this question a lot on Twitter when it's been asked of me. And a lot of people are saying, yep, absolutely. Why wouldn't he bounce back? A lot of people are saying no. And that sort of leads me into my next bit of advice, which is to trade if you don't think he does, keep if you do think he does. Now for you, Pistol, why do you not see him averaging 95 plus from next week onwards? So I've watched all the Bulldogs games this season. And the first thing that stands out is Bulldogs are good. They're a good side. They're winning the ball out of the middle it is going forward of center a lot more often than it has in the past couple of years. So strike one, straight off the bat, the ball's just there less often. It's just simple facts. Secondly, you've got the emergence of both uh, Bailey Williams and Dale looks good off the halfback as well. We've got two players that... Two Baileys even. Two Baileys even, you're right. No, good spot. They are both off the halfback and they're both looking really solid. I think Bailey Williams has taken another step to be truly that close to that A-grade player. He's really good. He's He's really, really good this season. And look, honestly, if I'm getting the ball into Bailey Williams' hands or Caleb Daniel, it doesn't matter to me. It's not like Daniel is much better with the ball, so I should look look for him at, at every opportunity. It, it's not that at all. Like I'd be happy getting it in any one of those guys' hands. Can like, I cut you off for a second? Go for it, please. I think they both have two really different strengths with their kicking. Um, Bailey Williams, really good at kicking it with distance and um, either being accurate if he needs to or just kicking it to a pack or to the advantage of his ruckman in a pack, for example. And Caleb Daniel, as we know, is one of the best players in the league at picking out those um, 45-degree angle passes, the little 20, 30-meter, yeah, at best even, um, advances up the field or mostly cracking into the center of of the ground so they can attack through the middle. I don't think they're doing that as much this year. I don't think they need to attack as much through the middle. I think they back themselves to win almost every stoppage with their improved ruck stocks and midfield. Yeah, um, they are. So <laughs> I don't think they need to specifically find Caleb Daniel to pick apart a, an opposition defense. And I like not to say that they specifically find Bailey Williams either, but that is really his go-to weapon, and he's really good at it. He is, and you know, just continue. continue sorry. No, fine. Con- that's everything I want to say. Continuing on from that, he doesn't have a monopoly over all the kickouts anymore. In fact, in the mm-hmm. wet weather, they wanted to utilize you know power instead of you know accuracy, so they didn't even let him take kickouts. So if he's not on kickouts, the, he's not getting as much as of the ball in general because they're not necessarily looking for him. We know he's you know short in stature, so he's not like this defender that's going to be intercept marking or like getting lots of spoils. So he's just weapons for Supercoach has just like dramatically decreased this season on top of Trelaw coming and we were already worried about Bulldogs and the Supercoach pie and how, how they might, might affect the side um, moving forward. And I just think like a culmination of all of these things, it's a lot of warning signs. There've been red flags in the first couple of games as well. Like he's been getting a lot of possessions and not scoring particularly well, even though he's had really high kicking efficiency. In his first couple games, he's had 87%, 80%, 83% kicking efficiency, 
um, or disposal efficiency, I should say, but he basically only kicks anyway. And his scores are not like massive for that, even though he's been getting, you know, 30 touches, 25, 30 touches. And so he's only put out 107, 66, 96, and now 19. It's not like he wasn't injured. Like he, he played a whole game of football and scored 19 points. Plus, they looked fine when he wasn't doing anything. Like they put him in the forward pocket and they still looked really good off the halfback flank. Yeah, okay. So I've I've got my next sort of question in the gun. Do you think, um, based on what you've seen so far in the Western Borders games, because like you said, he has had two 95-plus games already. And if you're backing him in for a 95-plus average, I don't think it's important that you trade him out this week. Um, so I think it's really good to sort of talk about it and clear out why he might not be able to do that. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this specifically or if I'm just potentially buying too too far into um, why he's been scoring poorly, but it looks like opposition teams are, are far too aware of his abilities and, and his kicking and um, how they can be picked apart. And I think it happened with a lot of their wins last year, Caleb was good in um, and found ways to pick through an opposition t- defense. Now, I don't think he's that weapon anymore, but I think teams are still wary of the fact that he has done that in the past and he seems to, without getting a forward tag or anything, um, players just seem to be much more accountable when they're his direct opposition um, and Bulldogs are trying to exit their defensive 50. It could very well just be another reason on top of the other reasons. I mean, I probably weigh more weight to the first reasons we said, kind of in the order we said it, but all of these things do add up and add to the bigger picture of you know the troubles he's having scoring in super coach points and even just with his game this season, um, part of I guess being good at super coach is being able to identify when things are like overreactions and when things are legitimately problems and thinking quickly on how to you know react to those and particularly in the first couple of rounds before it hits upgrade season, you have these opportunities to do rookie correction trades, to do premium correction trades, which is often forgotten about because it's seen as sideways trading and a waste of trades and back in your premiums. But honestly, sometimes you just choose badly. You just choose wrong. You pick a premium and then not a premium. And to me as well, before it ruins your entire season, you still have those opportunities to correct it it's a rookie correction it's a premium correction trade and getting a player that's going to be good for the next you know 19 weeks of the season it's just something that i think is a necessary uh you know part of your season planning and trade planning to fix broken premiums um when the opportunity presents and if the opportunity is now because he's suspended and because most of us don't have defensive bench cover then yeah take advantage of it and trade him out particularly if you don't have someone like Jordan Ridley who's averaging 133 if you've missed it this is the time now where you're like okay I'm not going to go the whole season without Ridley I'm at least going to be able to correct this problem that I have now so I'm I'm seeing this as an opportunity to fix a problem that I thought I was going to face for the whole season but now I get to do it a bit earlier which isn't necessarily a bad thing <clears throat> okay, so oh, look, I agree as well. I think I think we're on the same page here. And um, I was saying last week before this score from Caleb Daniel um, that even with the 60 and the 90, Caleb Daniel going down to you know 450K didn't 
really interest me as someone who didn't have him as a potential training option. Now that's obviously that go that has a bit of weight to it, considering you know, this guy was he's in fifty something percent of teams. He a lot of people obviously thought he was going to be a top six. Thirty one. Come on, what, is he thirty one percent? That's still huge. Hey? Are you sure that's not? Is that live? Is that live? Yeah. Percentage? Well, it's going to drop, but yeah. Okay, I thought that was higher. Sorry, that's my bad. Um, but yeah, essentially a, a third of the competition thought he was going to be a top six defender, um, a safe top six defender, enough to start him in their, in their sides. Um, and now all of a sudden after three weeks, the knowledge of the people that didn't even start him was that he wasn't worth attaining um, when he did bottom out in price. So um, I think it's all... I think we, we're pretty united on this pistol. Um, I think he's a trader option. So... Do we want to start discussing who we trade him for, or do you want to discuss Zach Butters and talk about the trade out options together? Because they're um, they're not similarly priced, but they're close ish, and people might have both of them. Ah, uh, it's a good question. I think maybe let's talk about Butters. I mean, what's okay. there to talk about Butters? That's a cruel blow. I guess yeah, yeah, it's true. He's opted for surgery, obviously. So the the best case scenario was as it was four to six weeks. He's opted for the surgery, um, which is either eight to ten weeks if it's the better surgery, or ten to twelve weeks if it's the worse one. Um, so, in any scenario, he's a trade out. He's not just going to get a jab and run out there this week like Ollie Wines promised me that he would and broke my heart. Um, so, he's a trade out. Obviously, he's five hundred k. So, um, was able to get to a, a decent price. Um, it's obviously owners are left with a bit of a sour taste considering he was on for another one fifty. Uh, so Maybe bigger than price, that. But, <laughs> he could have been yeah. on for 200. <laughs> yeah, I th- I, he had 116, I think, when he got injured. Yeah, he was having um, an enormous game. Yeah, so he was going to be a good pick. Um, the people that the people that picked him were rewarded instantly. So um, it is sad to see him go out. And sad for those who didn't own him because uh, that game and a half against uh, the one against Richmond, obviously, that we just saw, and the one against Essendon was well worth the price of admission and the trade. So... Um, it was good owning him for those four weeks. Um, but, okay, so both him and Caleb Daniel trade our options, so we need to discuss how, where people look if they've just got the one, um, where people look if they're unfortunate enough to have both. Um, I think, I, I suppose Zach Butters is probably a little bit easier to talk about considering he's at an, a kinder price. Um, if you want to start with him, I think we have a couple of players like Dustin Martin close by. Um, a player like Jack Steele, for example, is only one downgrade away elsewhere to be able to go up to him. Um, I'd love to know if you think that is potentially worth the two trades that it would cost. Um, there are options for Butters, at least. I think the number one option for Butters as a forward just has to be Dunkley. If you don't own Dunkley already, and he's in 47% yeah. of the sides, averaging 120-plus as a forward... Uh, it's time now. You've kind of even lucked out that you have the opportunity to get him before he keeps going up in price. Yeah, for 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 ninety eight k or whatever the difference is. Yeah, insane. I, like it's an absolute no brainer. Um, outside of that, the forward line is a bit more difficult. Dusty's two poor games in a row. Richmond haven't looked super good. I don't know if if it's some sort of weird you know, form slump or whatever it is. I think there's at five forty five k. I'd be putting up the question as to whether he is worth, you know, 50k more than Dane Zorko, who is also having some really obscure results this season. Um, JB, it's probably a bit of an uncommon one, but Dane Zorko, for those that are not 
aware, he had 12 clangers last week, which is one of the most I can ever remember. 12 clangers is just an absurd amount. And across his across three of his four games, he's had five frees against, four frees against, five frees against. He's averaging a crazy amount of clangers this season. But he's put out two scores of 115 and then two scores of 70. So he's a very hit and miss player and Brisbane have been losing. So I expect Brisbane at some stage to turn their ship around. He's still playing a decent amount of midfield time. And if he stops giving away the free kicks, which at some stage you just have to say, Zorko, pull your head in. We're losing games. We can't afford to be giving away this, these free kicks. You know, you're part of a leadership team of this club. We need to get wins on the board. I'd hope that message comes across. And I think that at his price is just a good value pick because I see him being able to average 100 plus, just over 100, not like massively over 100. And, you know, he's priced you know, 50k under that mark. So if you're looking for somebody, plus he plays Essendon this week at the Gabba, which I think is a good draw. If you have $0 in the bank and you need a Butters player, uh, a trading option, then and you want to use one trade, for whatever reason that might be, I think Zorko is not a bad option at all. I have a couple of concerns about Zorko. Firstly, if he scores anything less than 80 this week, he's going to drop a lot in price the following week and this week um, included. He might be 450k in yeah. two weeks' time. Um, I mean, which his Frank Evans 104. A, no, but that's with a 116 two yeah, weeks ago, you're but right, now he's got right. a 70 and then, yeah. Um, so I think it's a little bit of buyer's beware. Um, he, he might not be at his full-fledged bottomed-out price right now. Um, I guess it kind of depends on how much you believe in Dane Zorko. Uh, he's owned by 13.6% of the comp, which like I don't think it's neither it's neither here nor there. Like it's yeah. not a risky trading, and it's also like not a POD. Um, and you just sort of have to back him in. And and Brisbane, I think a lot of his form probably relies on Brisbane being at the very least fiercely competitive in most yeah, of their totally. matches. Um, and that, that might then rely on Lockie Neal. It might rely on a bunch of things. So um, not to say that he's a bad selection. I mean, if I had neither Zorko or Dustin Martin um, and had the means to get Dusty, I'd definitely be opting for the 69.7% ownership of Dusty, who's had a season of like 88 or something. <laughs> so, There's not many options though, really. Like outside of them, I mean, T- Toby well, Green you, is you, 490k. As you, as you said at the start, like Dunkley is just the biggest no-brainer ever. I can't yeah. believe I didn't even say that off the top. Um, anyone that doesn't have Dunkley and does have Butters just legitimately got given a get-out-of-jail-free card. Um, then like there are still people without Dusty. I, I think that's a good option. I want to know why or what your thoughts are, because obviously I'd say most of the competition or competitive competition has a loophole, um, like a forward mid in the midfield and a forward mid in the forward line. Um, Would you entertain two trades to a quote-unquote upgrade butters to someone like Jack Steele who has a break-even of 101 and might not be below 650k he jack Steele for most players if you want to maximize your scoring output for the year and get someone who's going to be a top four midfielder he's going to be three trades away for a lot of players unless they're looking to cull someone um who's doing yeah. really well like zebo mp um do players with butters take the opportunity to get a leg up on those players yeah so i mean caleb daniel as well people 
might be able to swap him if they have Jordan Clark in the midfield. You might be able to trade Caleb Daniel yep. to a midfielder, so you can kind of speak for both of them. I think um, in terms of Butters specifically, if you're trading like Butters to a midfielder and you're getting a much worse player as your F6 because of it, given it's really likely Finlay McRae debuts this round, I think um, you don't have to like have a terrible F6 for a long period of time. You're probably going to trade in Finlay McRae within one or two weeks. So you'll be able to solve that problem really soon. So I wouldn't freak out if you have to go one week with a really yep. weak F6 because here comes... You and know, and our, weeks our to some people might be row against Fremantle at Adelaide over which, yeah, which is compared fine. to players like Jordan or Berry might actually end up working in a points you know, positive. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah, very, very true. But if I'm trading to a midfielder, um, I'm probably... And probably, if, if you don't have McRae, I think, against yep. Gold Coast this week, McRae's still my number one midfield target if you don't own him. I think mm-hmm. I would put him um, just as a pure midfielder ahead of Steele. I'd also take Oliver at a cheaper 40K price because I don't think he's going to get that much cheaper either, even though he I had a terrible game. Well. I think I would be getting Oliver next if I, if I didn't own Oliver. And then, Oliver only owned by 23.6% of the yeah, competition. criminal. Break-even of 161, I mean, but after that, his break-even will be you know, under 100 again. Says the person who traded him last week for Josh Kelly. <laughs> criminal, we don't all own him. Yeah, it is criminal. <laughs> but I think those two are the ones that I would get. And and I'm only saying Oliver over Steel because of that extra 40K. I think that that's still a useful amount of money. And then after that, I think it has to be Steel if you don't own him. And, and like you said, for most people, it's he's three trades away. So if you have the opportunity of getting a 600K player, I know he will drop cheaper at some point, but it won't be much cheaper. Like, well, he's going to have to put him back-to-back sub-100 performances, which he barely did last season anyway. Uh, like, barely went under 100. And now he's put out some massive games. Uh, yeah, this is he's going to be a good pick. Um, he's got that round 14 buy, which is good as well. So, well, bad for... Um, you you can't you'd have to get him around fifteen, which is like really late in the season. So just in terms of where we're at in the season, not too bad. Um, I think he's a really solid pick, JB. If you can't afford him, is there a sub six hundred k midfielder that you would be comfortable kind of trading in? Pure I still mid. think. Yeah, I still think Walsh is really good and not owned by nearly enough of the competition. Um, he kind of, he's kind of going under the radar. He's only going by thirteen point nine percent. He did have a I want to say mediocre score, but it's probably more accurate to say he scored whereabouts his floor is for the season um, of eighty nine this week. I think Took Miller was paying attention to him uh, during the match as well. He just he just runs all day. Um, he's one of those players like Tom Mitchell. Um, where you're just not going to see scores in the 60s from them um, unless it's like a hard tag for the entire match. Uh, he, I think just with what he's put forward so far, I can't quite see his average. Um, 110 average so far. Yeah, 110 on the dot. Um, I, I just I just think he's you know odds on to continue that average for the rest of the season. There aren't many 
midfielders that are actually catching my eyes as muskets this year. Not even you know, even Tom Mitchell with 107 this week really like limped there. He had 85 at halftime and then had a little bit of pressure put on him and you know it drifted forward, started forward a lot, a lot of center bounces. I think his ceiling, uh, sorry, his floor is quite high as well, but um, I, th- I just think Walsh is just a, a better pick for 25k cheaper. Um, so it's it's interesting. There are a few players around, um, but not a lot that I have a lot of faith in. Zach Mera, I suppose, is another one. 22.8% of the con. Is he better than Titch? Hasn't started super well, but I guess, yeah. Is he better than Titch? I don't know. It's kind of up to the buyer's preference. He's He's got 105, 91, 115, 104. I, I think scoring... Our disposal efficiencies hurt him as much as freeze against have hurt Dane Zorko. Um, he could have and should have put up a few better scores by now, but um, he's not exactly lighting the world on fire. I don't think any of the midfielders are besides Oliver Steele um, and McRae. Yeah, I think Tom Mitchell, if you can just talk about him for a second. I know personally I'm considering trading him in this round. He's 38 touches for just 107 points, and... He's had 39 possessions and 38 possessions this year. He still had three games sub 110, even though he's getting heaps of the ball. Like, are you a bit worried that he has to try and maintain almost 40 possessions a game just to crack 115? Well, the thing that isn't really worrying me is that he's just really capable of doing it. That's um, true. <laughs> and and they've, they've sort of got a couple of the toughies out the way. So Richmond and Geelong already um, account for two of those sub-110 plus scores with Geelong being his 89 for the season. Um, the, the game that he did well in, they obviously won, which checks out. That was against Essendon. Um, Melbourne, Adelaide, St. Kilda coming up. West Coast is going to be a tough one. North Melbourne, Carlton, Gold Coast after that. like He could just go on a run of 115-plus scores, and I don't think it would surprise anyone. So Yeah, you wouldn't flinch. Um, yeah, you wouldn't at all. And you know, when he pieces it together, if this is his quote-unquote slow start after a pretty much no preseason, um, if he starts getting his tackle numbers up, etc., um, yeah, he might be tackling. a freight train. He might be a freight train by the halfway point and it may be too late by then. So um, I think it's good to target him as a trading option because he's still not even performing poorly um, with what he's putting out right now. And if he does just have that slight improvement, which he's capable of, then all of a sudden, you know, you've got probably a top seven midfielder. Um, what with about... Walsh, yeah, I was going to say... Sorry, cut you off. But what, what about a certain Geelong midfielder that's only in 5.7% of sides and... He's averaging 124 Supercoach points. How well has he started? Um, Cam Guthrie, I have him in 5.9% of sides, but that's fine. You can't be right all the time. Um, <laughs> Break-even break of 87 as well, 606K. So um, he looks unreal. He He's had two massive scores, two okay scores. The thing that concerns me is one of those just okay scores of 104 um, was with Dangerfield. And then the two big scores were without him and now... Um, this week with Duncan, Menegola, etc. returning, he, he also went down a bit. So um, I think he just enjoyed a bit of freedom in the midfield and took advantage and scored big because of it. Yeah. But I don't think that's going to be the norm for the season. Otherwise, yeah. oh my gosh, get on in for the Brownlee. He looks incredible. <laughs> the danger field is the biggest thing for me. Like it's a wait and see. I, I couldn't actively want to jump on him and, you know, he's going to keep going up in price. So you kind of miss out while you're trying to wait to see how danger field affects him. 
So that so some defenders pass. But the the last one, sorry, one more person I want to talk about. One more midfielder. Promise, one more midfielder. And it's kind of it's kind of out there. Um, They're very cheap. Four hundred and sixty two thousand. Okay. Round one, 55 points because Rao was playing. Rao is out. <laughs> Noah Anderson, 119, 93, 124. Uh, his scoring is off the charts right now. Um, how do you see him going this year? I think some people might be trying to cheap out a little bit just because he's the exact same, almost the exact same price as Caleb Daniel. I'm super happy that he started well because um, he looks like an, an exciting kid and a really good player for the future but um, as we know with these types of players even Brayshaw as a forward last year um, fully breaking out still um, was prone to a a few 60s and you can kind of stomach that when he's got a really high ceiling and he's forward eligible anyway so you know not not every forward's going to score you 110 plus every week but as a midfielder it becomes really difficult so that sort of low floor that we expect our kids to have. I mean, yeah. he's not Clayton Oliver in his second year. Is not our kids, you and I. Yeah, our, <laughs> our actual children that we've birthed from our own... <laughs> our, yeah, anyway, um, yeah, we, we just don't... We don't expect them to consistently put out the same output as, as your premiums that have done it for years. And obviously... There's going to be one season where it all does come together, and they they score well, and then and then you go, well, you know, you could have predicted that, um, but I'll just let the people who predict that predict that and and do well from it. <laughs> I'm not willing to jump on a bandwagon like that with some 60s abroad. No, I think it's pretty like his his three games he scored those in are pretty telling. North Melbourne, Adelaide, Carlton. It's not teams that are really going to light the world on fire. Let's be let's be honest. So um, it's a pass for me, even though. Some people can't afford better than it. I'd rather go all the way down to a rookie than jump sideways onto a Noah Anderson, you know, type play. Um, yeah, I know you just mentioned Brayshaw, and I know you want to jump into defenders, but I also feel really guilty for like pumping up Brayshaw, and Brayshaw has been terrible since I pumped him up, and I feel so bad <laughs> since I pumped it's him that, up. He's gone sixty six and forty eight, and been tagged in both of the games. Yeah, really difficult one. Um, Nat five oh returning this week as well. And Brayshaw still getting the tag instead of Nat Fife is a little bit boggling. Unexpected is probably the best way to explain it, but it shows how good Brayshaw has been. If you got him in, um, just just ride him. He will have a month of four straight scores, 120 plus, yeah. and then you can decide what to do with him then. Don't jump off him now because he's he's shedding money. Yeah, I just it's, it's unfortunate. Ed Kerno was tagging him against Carlton and then he's got the Warple That's tag. It's a tough tag. It's, it's both it's two tough tags and I don't I guess maybe Lions might go to him this week from Adelaide as well potentially. I am not sure it's obviously effective. Um but really at his price 513,000 with a breaking of 186 is you, you could almost get him as an M8 as an early upgrade option if he's going to drop to like 450 or below. Like it's kind of working out. Now, favor for those that don't have him. Adelaide? Sorry, I meant Keys, Ben Keys. Oh my lord, I actually did not know what you meant there because Lions did play for Adelaide, and I was like, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my bad, Keys. Um, okay. Yeah, he, he could fall into a price range that's like dangerously tempting. <laughs> oh, please do not, do not I, put that I, in my I head. I like him. I don't know. Well, I'm, let's a, see. I'm a big well, enough Brayshaw fan. We can fan talk about it. it. We can talk about it after next week yes. when he drops okay, sub 500. So, 
All right, let's talk about defenders. If you can't swing Caleb Daniel anywhere else into the field, he's still 467K. So despite losing 77K, it's not too bad because he's probably going to lose exactly that amount again next time he plays. So that's when it becomes really bad. Um, I I actually thought he was cheaper. So this isn't too bad to talk about. Jaden Shaw immediately stands out. He's about 60K uh, more expensive, less so even, uh, 57K. When people were putting their teams together in the preseason, I assume most people had Laird. A lot of people had Stewart. A lot of people had Lloyd. Um, a lot of people had Ridley. Not enough people had Ridley. And then a lot of people went between Caleb Daniel, Jaden Short, or just went rogue like me and picked Dan Houston. Or Mills, yeah. Or Mills. Yeah, that's the other one. So if you've got Caleb Daniel, I assume you're, you're probably missing one of Shaw or Mills. Uh, definitely one of those two, I'd say. Uh, I doubt people have all three of those players. And if you do, I guess we discuss that in a second. But um, I think Shaw, first and foremost, is an amazing trade-in. Um, probably the best. I would say, even out of everyone. Even, like, is even Jake Lloyd's going to drop more? He's, he's got a break even of 151. Um, I think Jaden Short stands as the best target for Caleb Daniel if he can get the money. Um, Jordan Ridley at 614K, break even 88. Okay, maybe I'll take back my best thing. Yeah, I was waiting for that. It's like kind of like oh, the Dunkley man. situation. It's it's like it's a hundred and fifty k. But if you missed out on Ridley, this is your yeah. chance to to fix that, so you don't have to go until the buys to pick him up because oh, you're gonna need gosh. him at some stage. That's so much money. But you have to just do it. You have to just cop you it. You do. Oh my lord. There's okay, no way around pain. it. He he's averaging one hundred and thirty three and. He looked like he was going to put out an absolute stinker last week and still put out 124. Like, it's absurd oh, how good he is. Yeah, he's unreal. There's no there's no doubting that. Um, okay, okay. I'll take it back. Get Jordan Ridley if you can. Um, Jaden Shaw posing as the second best option. <laughs> um, I do think he's amazing. I think he's a great pick this year. 125 what? with Hooley back in the team. With Hooley, Didn't yeah. even get that many kickouts. Played a lot of wing time in a highly contested game. If you were to tell me three things in the preseason that I would bet on happening that would stop Jaden Short from scoring 80 plus, I would say bash iron in the team, take away the kickouts, and play him in the most contested game of the season. And he put out a 125 this week. But do you see that wing keep pushing up higher to the wing as a negative? For future, I, I did, and then he scored one twenty five against Port Adelaide, and they lost the game. That might just be like, I guess, positive variance for the first game. I, I would expect if you lose kickout duties, and it's still a slightly worse role than half pure halfback flank. I think I'm not sure long term if that's yeah, going to be I, good for him. But I also, think it kind of hurts his ceiling and floor. But I, I still yeah. think he goes one hundred five. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good player. I think it's... Um, He's very good. I am also looking at him for my Caleb Daniel replacement if I don't get Tom Mitchell or if I don't want to get Zorko by doing some magic DPP. I'm not really sure, but he he's someone that I'm looking in. I think um, another one that other people are looking at just because of price is Jack Bowes. Uh, he yeah. has had an insane start to the season. 100 and... Oof, 
115 average um, up to 503k. How do you see him this season? Because he's basically come from the clouds, right? Like no, it wasn't on anybody's radar. So yeah, what do you what do you reckon here? I want to start by saying Bose has been on radars of anyone in the keeper league for like four yeah, years. Yeah, keeper leagues, but um, not, not. No, just just saying like he he has put together reasonable patches of scoring. Like it it shouldn't surprise anyone in the keeper league that Bose is putting together a good season. Um, to those who aren't in that environment, obviously it's come from like absolutely nowhere. Um, Six point two percent ownership. I'm worried about Bose, and I'm kind of worried about his role and his versatility. So he's played midfield, he's played forward, he's played defence, right? In the in, in the dying stages of the game, he was actually positioned more forward of the ball than he was in defence, and he got almost no kickouts this game. I know he still scored 107, but if we were saying that it raises some concerns for Shaw, who I think is just an infinitely better player, um, then I don't know if I'm buying Jack Bose this week. Bose still took seven kickouts, um, and he played on from all seven, and Will Powell took six. So he, he kind of split it, you know, 50-50. So that, that's I'll, still I would, good I would signs. argue those seven were probably all in the first two and a half quarters. Yeah, I didn't manually record that, so I yeah, can't right. confirm no, that. No, 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 just from the eye test of what I saw in the game, if if I've got someone versatile enough to get thrown forward at any point, it kind of scares me. The fact that he's a POD, 6.2%, and I, he's 500k, which is cheap, but it's not like he's you know 420k. If you, got him, if you got him a couple of weeks ago, then like you know, the risk is alleviated a little bit because he's so cheap. But right now, you're buying into someone who you expect to go... I mean, realistically, you expect him to go top 7 or 8 defender? Well... You have to, but remember I just read out Noah Anderson's fixtures and they play for the same side. He's played the three weakest teams, almost the three weakest teams, in a row to get those scores. I know he scored really, really well against West Coast as well in round one, but it's just enough that I'm like, uh, do I want to commit to this after just committing to Caleb Daniel and they're going so badly? Do I want to then jump on somebody who's still a little bit of a gamble or do I want to just pick someone who's super solid? Like from Caleb Daniel, I feel like at this stage of the season, I don't, I don't have another correction trade up my sleeve. I don't have it. We're about to yeah. enter upgrade season. Like if I'm going to pick somebody now, I don't want to take any sort of gamble or risk on it. And it, that's the exact reason as to why I'm not looking at CJ. Like GF is averaging 103 and his price at 400k, so he's genuinely cheap. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to take a gamble. And and I barely I save what sixty k, like that's that's not enough. If he was no, like another three thirty, I'd take it. But yeah, I, I can't do this. I'm I'm trading out Daniel who didn't fail. I'm not going to go from a fail pick to another fail pick. Yeah, I think that's super important. I'm I'm taking the exact same approach with Butters as well. When people um, have floated left field options, I just don't want to waste more than one trade on a position on my field. And Butters wasn't even a failed pick. He, he just got injured. Uh, but I still don't want to trade him to someone who I might have to then trade later because I'm I'm genuinely working backwards. I need to I need to move forwards with every single trade that I make right now. And if there's a chance, if it's a 50-50 or a 60-40, 70-30, whatever, that it ends up going backwards, then I, I it really just don't really 
even factor it in. Yeah. Um, like I know Jath has started really well, but would it surprise you if it poured down for the next three weeks and he put out three sixty to eighty scores? No, it wouldn't surprise it, me. It wouldn't. It, what if someone you know tagged him for a game? He doesn't I have kickouts to rely on. Like, he's, he's, he's so good. <laughs> he's really good, but he tagged. also misses a lot of factors that Supercoach players need to you know keep their ceilings up or their floors up. Um, which is you know it, I. I for anyone who traded him in, extremely ballsy move, and I respect it, but I don't think he's one for us to no, target no and get in. Um, Dan Houston, just the last player I want to quickly discuss, um, played midfield this week, lost his entirety of the kickout duties um, for the week. I don't think that'll be a long-term thing, but um, another one that's hard to buy into because it's hard to really guarantee that it's not going to be a long-term thing. I think he's better as a defender than what he's as a midfielder. Um, I think this score was a little bit lucky. He had 29 in the first quarter um, and then needed a goal literally towards the end of the third quarter to get to 61 because he just disappeared for a while um, and then followed it up with a really good final term to get to 116. So um, I don't like that variance in his scoring. When he's a defender and has kickouts and he's used out of defense, he just ticks along the entire game. So um, I think he's a scary pick that'll, that'll get a couple of people this week as well. Yeah. Um, I agree with you with exactly what you're saying. There's a couple of defenders I just want to very lightly touch on. Um, Mills is still playing as a pure midfielder and he will have games where he goes like 140, but then he'll also have games like this one where he scored 87 and you just kind of have to hope that over the course of the season averages out to 100 plus, but I do think that he's a fully fine pick. Break even of 122. He's had three games since his first big score that aren't exactly... Yeah. But he's still Amazing scoring well him. overall, so it's not like a... Oh, no, absolutely. I think he, I think he's well in the mix. I'd be surprised yeah. if he fell outside the top eight defenders, so good good selection. But he's, he's totally fine. Look, Ryan has kind of just peppered. He's averaging 94. He's kind of just peppering the 95 mark every game. Um, I don't think there's much value in that selection, so it's probably a, a pass for me at this point in time. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have anything different than that? I mean, Sam Doherty, 94-85, then back-to-back 109s against Fremantle and Gold Coast has yep. looked all right. Yes, I think the big one is probably Daniel Rich. Um, with Brisbane struggles this season, ball a little bit more in the back half. They're conceding a couple more behinds, you'd imagine, uh, or score up, scoring shots. So he's managed to put out um, in his first game of 72, but after that, 113-122-99. Any player that's on the amount of kickouts that Daniel Rich is on, it's just going to have a really high floor and they end up just being solid super coach picks. The problem with Riches is not exactly uh, a spring chicken anymore. And we saw what happened with Hearn when he uh, yep. was doing the exact same thing. He started really hot on all the kickouts, um, really dominating. And then next thing you know, you get a, a little bit of a, a twang and uh, out for a couple. Three scores in the 80s and one big score against Carlton. Jack Crisp with your Taylor Adams injury. Is he a chance to play more midfield? Is that good for him? This is the last guy I really I, want to talk I about. I would but. stay away from Collingwood players. I think there's going to be lots of changes, players thrown everywhere to try and figure out what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, if it's starting to work and he's putting out some good scores, great. And then we can try and jump on him. But it's we're going to play every combination and also we we look very bad like we genuinely look like we're going to lose 
pretty much every game we play. So yeah, I wasn't going to bring it up, but yeah, good point. It, um, it's it's bad for the pie. It's bad. It's bad for the pies. It's bad for everything. So I, I would kind of be staying away. Even like how and stuff. Balls there a lot, so he's going to score okay. But there's going to be games where we just get thumped, and he's not going to score well. We're running overs in time in a little bit. I just want to quickly um, float through four more discussion topics just quickly. Is there um, anything such... Is there overtime in Supercoach? Yeah, well, we're about to hit it. So um, okay. stop asking me silly questions about overtime. And we, Five we hour podcast. <laughs> um, so I'll just quickly show you Lockie Neal, if you still held on to him. Um, is he any less of a trade out to you this week than he was last week? A little bit less because his price is lower, so you get less value options. But also, his last quarter, he had 11 touches, five contested possessions. Like, he he looked like that's a good sign. I mean, the problem is that he still is kind of playing, hanging off the back of a pack a little bit outside. Not, I don't, he's clearly not fit still. Like, as much as they said he felt better, no, he's like, not. he still looks not. Like he was that good, <laughs> like it like it was that much better. So, at his price, if you've missed any of the big dogs, if you haven't got Oliver McRae, Steele, uh, Ridley, Dunkley, you know, I would kind of utilize him to try and get them. But if you already have all those players, I don't really know who I'd be getting. I don't think. Would you be trading him to like a Sam Walsh? Would you just be holding him? Uh, no, not to a Sam Walsh. I don't think. Um, his break-even is still 168. He's projected to lose another 35K, um, and that's with the projection, um, his score projection being the highest that it would be for the season of 95. So um, he's still going to lose a lot of money. Uh, it, again, it's the, ty- it's the situation where I think about it as a non-owner, what it would take for me to trade him into my side, and it would genuinely take a lot. Um, he'd have to be cheap and and starting to turn that scoring around and he just doesn't like doing it. So um, in terms of trade-out options, I think he's just as important as last week. Just cash him out before he loses another, you know, 40, He's only going to lose 60K, which is not much. Like, he's not going to lose that much more money. Uh, Yeah, but he's he's losing 60K and he's also scoring 80 every week. So you're losing... You're losing another 60K and... Probably but you've just said not to watch. On... So is it yes yeah, no, to watch or is it I'd... not to watch? No, I'd try to move up, try and get someone more secure that I missed out on, like Steel or... Yeah, Oliver. and if you have all those players? You have Steel, McRae and Oliver and Neil, then, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, they were the most expensive players, so people like to just go, you know, safe no, and assured no and just all four of those. pick all four. No, no one's got all four of those. <laughs> Well, not anymore. Most of them traded, <laughs> traded out, <laughs> out Neil when he's slow start. But yeah, unfortunately, uh, some people are definitely going to get stuck. I think like, it's very. I wouldn't. Would you be really shocked if he put out one twenty against Essendon at the Gabba? I I've said this for the last four weeks. I wouldn't be shocked if he did it against Geelong, Collingwood, Bulldogs, or Sydney round one. Yeah. When enough. I when I was being realistic about his projections preseason. I said, if we can survive with him averaging 120 until the buy, then we've gotten away with murder. Um, at the moment, it looks like we're going to survive with him averaging 78 until the buy. Oh my like gosh! He he just he just does, he just doesn't look like he's going to turn it around. He, I know the yeah. last two games. I think the second half of the Collingwood game, 
Um, he was good, or no, sorry, the first half of the Collingwood game, he was good. He was on like 65 or 70 at halftime. Yeah, 70 um, or something. And then against the Bulldogs, yeah, the last quarter was good, but they, he still just got like, uh, to explain it from someone who watched him very closely on the weekend, he was still getting the cheap disposals around the ground. That made him really good last year. The problem now is that he, he would get those disposals around the ground as well as getting the loose ball gets, the contested disposals, the tackles, um, the, the the inside 50s, the scoring assists. This year, all he's doing exclusively is getting those little outlet kicks. Like, I don't want to kick it down the line. So Lockie Neal is 30, you know, 25 meters away. I'm going to kick it to him and then he's probably going to kick it down the line or he's going to switch it. Yep. He's getting those disposals exclusively as his disposal count so an 85 this week although he looked better in disposals um in the statistics in general um he's just not going to be a super coach ball until he starts doing everything and I, I don't know how he's going to piece every single other thing that he's missing out on together now when he hasn't been able to do it for the first four matches i don't know when the penny drops it's certainly going to be something that's interesting and we'll see how it plays out you know, in the next couple of rounds and what price he drops to. And, you know, we'll be in upgrade season. We'll be looking for a midfielder and uh, he'll be at an appropriate price. So it'll be interesting to see who jumps first out of particularly the podcasters and <laughs> who, you know, or if we all jump, if, if some of us don't jump, whatever it is, and, you know, who jumps closest to the right time, I guess. It'll be, it'll be exciting. <clears throat> Another guy who I know you won't be trading in at any point this season Josh Kelly, 556K <laughs> now. The same discussion. Um, he's lost 60K for the season. He has scored 98, 90, 190. Um, no, not 190, 100 and then 90. Um, so he's put out four scores between 90 and 100 now. He's playing exclusively. He had six center bounce attendances exclusively as a forward this year um, with the odd center bounce attendance thrown in there, two per quarter, after quarter time is what he went at with zero in the first quarter. Um, this is like a, a, the most tragically bad situation you could ever picture Je Josh Kelly in. Um, he was on 45, I think, before he kicked his first goal for the match, which was in the fourth quarter. Um, and then he kicked another one, technically sealed the game for them and had a 50-point quarter from half forward. Um, this score should have been in the 60s. Um, anyone who still has him got lucky, I think. Um, that's 6% of teams still please just trade him out of your side before he loses more money. I traded him last week, so I'm not going to sit here and say you can hold him for another one. I think it was fine to watch to see his role with all the injuries, and if they didn't use him after all the injuries, they're not planning on using him moving forward. So with Sydney, who have a seemingly strong midfield this season, and then Bulldogs in his next two, I'm genuinely worried that he's going to put up back-to-back -back like 60s in the next two weeks. And it's not going to be worth waiting for that game in, in round seven against Adelaide. So, yeah, he still has a price that is salvageable, I guess. You like, he's still 550. 550. Yeah, he's 556. He has a break-even of 135, but honestly, he could still miss out by 70 points this week. So, he is on high alert, <laughs> I guess. I think, JB, okay. if you had Kelly Daniels and butters and that and obviously you're crying yourself to sleep at night if you have those three but what order 
are you trading them out this week? Well, firstly, I'm trading out the guy who isn't playing for eight to ten um, in butters, and then I'm, I'm probably just trading out Daniel as well. Again, he's just not playing. At least Josh Kelly's going to probably score, you know, seventy plus more than a rookie. <laughs> I like, I don't know anymore. I'm probably trading it's, out. It's, I'm keeping the guy out for eight to twelve because I'm going to lose dropping Bryce. And forward line, I've got cover, so I can use him as a loophole between two options and hopefully get a 60. <laughs> uh, I mean... If, if Kelly, Kelly gets a 60 Josh this Kelly week... Kelly could still score 110 playing forward. He could drop another know. 30k, and then he it could. just becomes disaster time. Yeah, you he could. Trade into Patrick Cripps. i probably hold him if, if I have those three just for one more week because you said, like, he... Uh, He's so far from putting out a 130, but like technically it's possible. Man, He's so good. That's a bad I, I, it's, you hate to see it. It's such a bad situation. Um, I, I honestly is making me depressed to talk about. It. I'm going to move on to the last topic that I have for you, um, and that's just the rookies. So I've seen it tossed up a lot. I personally think Lockie Jones has good job security. Um, I think he'll play for at least a month um, and get a couple of games worth of bad form before he gets dropped. If that ever happens, he looks like a good player and all. Um, but it doesn't mean we should be rushing him into our sides. I've seen a lot of players, a lot of people send me trade suggestions that involve moving a player that's not playing to Lucky Jones. And I just think, why not just wait another week and make sure that he's named for his third game and doesn't get injured or doesn't get dropped or... Anything could happen. I don't know why we're so keen to jump on a rookie a week early. With Potts' injury, I guess, you're, you're, you're getting like four injuries a week at this point in time as well. So I'd feel like I would want to see him named for that game. I guess in round six, it's a bit frustrating. They play in the final match of the round, so you kind of have to wait all the way to the you'll last know. minute. But you'll, you'll know. know. You'll know Ken, this week. Ken tells us. Ken's a legend. And, and, and you'll see how he plays against Carlton. And if he gets through the game unscathed and you know does what he needs to do, Ken will talk him up in the presser afterwards. You'll you'll pick him with confidence, especially considering our injuries. But let him survive the game. He's already had already this year. He's been rested for a Sandful game with injury. Yeah, no. I so think, it's just yeah. it's just not worth trading anyone in at this point. Um, unless you think there's going to be a surplus of rookies the following week, which there isn't going to be next week. So um, I, I just wouldn't have that in my plans. The only thing I would consider is if you were hell-bent on keeping Caleb Daniel and you had Harmore and Cozzy and... I mean, Cozzy probably plays this week, to be honest, so the, the, I might just be talking other poo. Um, but if you desperately need a defender for a score, I think... Jones will be trustworthy, but I just don't want to trade him in unless I have to this week. Like, desperately have to. Yeah. No, that's fair enough. Um, I don't have much more to add. I think the other rookie that people are desperately looking at this week, or definitely looking at, I should say, is uh, Waterman, 102K. Um, Alec Waterman from Essendon has put up decent scores, has kicked two goals in each of his first two games. His yep. job security, if he's kicking goals, is going to be fine. It's kind of a weird... I still feel like if they really liked him so much, he would have played from round one because he didn't do anything wrong in the preseason to not earn a round one spot and they still didn't pick him. 
Yep. So he's in there because of injury. I, I do feel like his job security is overstated. However, at this rate of him kicking two goals a game, I don't think he's going to be dropped. So if he can continue doing that, he's probably just going to keep earning his spot and scoring okay. When you're priced at 102k, you really only need to play like seven games in a row to make 150k. It's like pretty easy for him to do that. So I'm hoping that he can put one or two goals through the big sticks this week and then that will you know buy him another couple of weeks because Peter Wright's well, just looked awful and I think he's going to go he out has. before yeah th- this yeah, week's the concerning one. one they've got Brisbane um, if they lose by a lot if Brisbane are resurgent and come back against Essendon then um, you could see a potential scapegoat situation with Waterman but um, I think judging by their last couple of weeks they're still going to be competitive um at the very least, and he's going to get plenty of looks at the goals. He just needs to convert. So um, he's done it in the preseason. He's done it in both these games so far. So you, you're backing him in to just stick to the norm, which is good. Yeah. Do you think he's a must-trade in this week, or is he someone that you can comfortably pass on? It's tough because he's such a unique price. You don't often get these 102K players, and the, the 20K saved just from not upgrading to or sorry downgrading to 120k players can actually be handy so um like does this even make sense trading brockman down to waterman and getting 74k instead of brockman down to bergman not that you would um and getting 50k like is it just infinitely better to get waterman yeah but in that situation but that's i guess the the question is is it worth trading brockman out after only earning 70k i mean brockman i think uh, i've answered this wrong i I think waterman's good i think he's good enough to hold his spot i think he's gonna make 150k i i wouldn't move heaven and earth if i had the absolute perfect rookies but i don't think anyone really does um i would even be fine with trading jordan down to waterman to to get on the train and yeah just being comfortable with the fact that jordan wasn't as good as what we thought he was going to be because his time on ground was really bad his time on ground's terrible, and with that 24, it just means he's going to have at least two weeks of more pain, not, not and then Harms comes yeah. back, and then maybe Jordan's out of the team when Harms comes back as well. So I think if you cash out Jordan Waterman now, that's not the end of the world. If you have Dowd Waterman, I think that's totally fine. Um, I, I think, I, I feel like Brockman, I'm a bit uncomfortable about that suggestion. Same as Barry, just because I feel like they've got at least another 50K in them. Brockman, Brockman was more a suggestion if he gets dropped, but there's no guarantee yeah. of that. Yeah, No, and, and like Rowe and stuff and Campbell, uh, I still wouldn't be trading, I don't think, to Waterman because these players, like, I think we're a bit gung-ho on the trades given how many trades we got last season. And we these some of these rookies, they just are slow burns. Like, we have some really, really fast burns this season and we have some really slow burns. And I think the only way we're going to be able to finish our sides really is by appreciating that there's going to be fast ones and trading them out when they're done and then appreciating the slow ones and only trading them out when they become the sub or when they've made a sufficient amount of money. I wouldn't really want to cull a rookie super early um, just you know for 50 to 70k profit. I think that's not enough this season. Yeah so I've got a mini rant followed by a disclaimer um, and then I'm pretty much. Oh boy. I'm, I think I'm done by done for the podcast after this. No, I've, um, I've got more. Don't worry, I've got 17 more topics for you. 
Okay, well, that's not true. Um, okay, three so, more topics. So, Braden Campbell um, hasn't quite made as much money as what we expected. Um, I think people are really just... I don't know if they're overlooking it or they're just... They see the money or they obviously saw the most recent score and um, didn't enjoy what he was putting out for them. But he's already scored 100-plus at one point this season. 118, not even like 100. Like yeah. Huge. Um, he's then played Richmond and... I mean, I don't want to say Essendon was a, a tough opponent, but... Um, the game is pretty close. I think there's there's been a couple of games now already. Um, he's played Brisbane in that as well. That are probably some of the heavier type contested games that they're going to play. Um, they played GWS, Gold Coast, Melbourne, Collingwood, Fremantle, Carlton in their next like eight, seven games with Geelong sprinkled in there at some point as well. He's every chance to reset his break even in two weeks time when that one week time when that 29 rolls out and make another 50K before we can even think about trading him out. On his projection of 64 points per week, which he hasn't scored once, he's either gone over a hundred, um, he's going to make up to 325K. Like you, you're, you're essentially leaving 70K in the bank at this point, and that's assuming he doesn't just get one of those spike scores to send it up further or... Um, I, I think anyone who's watched Campbell this year could agree that he's probably going to have another couple of good scores uh, in the next month or two. And I just think trading him out now and taking the money that he's made, which is about 68K, which is really not that much, um, is just like a super easy way of seeing a player that started at an elevated price get to a price that will give you good enough money when you trade him down. And they're just jumping on it for that reason. But realistically, yeah. he's got a lot of money to make. I, I'm so, thinking about holding him to his buy in round yeah, 14 because I he's got that too. DPP, which is super handy. He's got good job security. And if he ever becomes the sub, that's when I'll trade him because, I mean, he's so, got potential to be a sub. But I'm strongly in the hold camp. But there are everything has a situation. Like if there's no way... Well, like you've got to let me get to my and, disclaimer. Okay, sorry. I'll let you get to your disclaimer. There, the disclaimer. there are there are really aggressive ways to play this game, and I think getting someone like Caleb Daniel or Zach Butters to Jack Steele is a fairly aggressive way to play the game this week. Um, if you're in the hunt, if you're in a good rank, if you're in a rank that you think um, is still in a position to to spike heavy in the next few weeks with a good POD like Jack Steele. Um, or for example, if you if it's your only way that you can get to Ridley or only way you can get to Dunkley and that's what's holding your rank down or um, you're already ranked well and you sort of just want to negate that POD factor that people have against you with those players, um, there is every, every justification for trading someone early. They've still made money, 70K, trading someone early in a really aggressive way to get someone that you think is going to help you more than what the 70K will in seven yeah. weeks' time. So I, I, as much as I think that it's a silly trade at the moment, there are absolutely reasons to do it. But just make sure you're in one of those reasons and you're not just cashing him out for the sake of it. If your only trade this week is Braden Campbell to Waterman, then reconsider. Look at your other rookies. There is someone else to trade out. But if this gets you a really big power play movement in your side, then absolutely justifiable. So that was the disclaimer. Also, his break even will reset 
when his 29 week. goes yeah. out of his rolling average. So don't stress about him losing money this week because he'll just start going up again. So yep. that that's something Instantly. that you definitely have to consider. With, the, with a 64 this week, his break even goes to 34 next week. He makes he, he probably he loses 3k with a 64 this week, makes 15k next week with the exact same score, and then another 15k the week after. Yeah, it's just that's money. That's immediate 30k on top of what you're trading him out for. Yeah, no, I I'm I'm 100% with you there. In, in agreement, so I think that goes for a lot of our rookies. Like Golden is 300k, and like his price has spiked. But anyone who's capable of 100 plus as a rookie, I don't think that was a fluke. Like Golden he's genuinely has a played great in two player. really tough games in a row. Richmond especially. Who expected him to do well against Richmond? And no, as, he's as soon a as they get a few player. good ones, yeah, like he, he's going to be reset. a player that hovers. He's not going to like. I don't think we're going to see him go up to like 450 and then drop all the way down to 300. Like he'll probably get to like 350, 370 and then just stay there. So you can kind of pick off when you want to get rid of him. Get rid yeah. of him. And I don't think he's a There's type of no player urgency. that's going to be a sub either. He's so good. Like he's so yeah. good. He's really good. <laughs> and same as Warner. Like, you know, these players, I mean, Tom Powell now as well, is, it's a similar point. I guess Barry... If we're, if we're just talking rookies in general and which ones I'm thinking of culling in the next couple of weeks, I mean, I've got a Dow problem that I'll get rid of this week for Waterman. Um, Cozzy, we'll see how he goes this week. If he doesn't lose money, <laughs> I'm going to have zero, zero dollars after my trade this week if I get Titch, which means exactly if Cozzy... Yeah, which means if Cozzy loses money, I could get priced out of Lockie Jones, which is... <laughs> kind okay. of scary because that, he's that's probably going to play problem. <laughs> no one else is in that situation in the world that's very unique how um, that would be hilarious like that would be so funny i would be really mad but i would find the humor in him he's got a break even of 23 and if he drops like 2000 i can't get lucky jones i got a quick couple of things as well um what i campbell i just actually noticed is the most popular trade by a lot this week um, Campbell to Waterman, I should say. 2,436 people have already done that trade. Huh. No, um, I'm, I'm, not on, I'm not on board. No. Um, and then the other thing yeah. I was going, the other thing I was going to say is um, we haven't really discussed Isaac Heaney, but the 15% that own him could it, it directly apply our discussion regarding um, yeah. the other two, two butters and that. So we were just anti Heaney, so it's kind of easy for him to float out of our minds, but um, absolutely, the discussions that we've had already in the podcast applies to him as well. I think Barry is the one that I'm kind of looking at. He's probably going to make another 30, 40K if he keeps hovering in these 50s and 60s, which is totally fine for a rookie. Um, but I'm probably in two weeks' time, might trade him out of Finlay McRae's ready. That might be the trade that I do, Barry to Finlay, um, yeah. and kind of call that one a day. And, and then we'll see how Rose going, like kind of after that, because he's going to get that a little bit of a spike because of that 67. So that's kind of my plan, as well as looking at Jordan. I'll have to keep an eye on him. But yeah, for those wondering kind of how I'm looking in the future, um, that would be. Do you reckon that, they want to know how the going? top 100 person is looking or how the top 1,200 person is looking? Look. It's a long season, JB. And, uh, <laughs> it is. I'm really say. trying not to get ahead of myself at all. Um, sometimes it just pops out. Um, that I think we're done for the podcast. If we no, I got so many, I got more things no, no, we got to no. talk about. No, 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 no. We no. got to talk we, about if... captains. We have to. 
and we have to talk about what rookies to play. JB, I'm going to ask you because they want to know what the top 100 person's doing this week. They want to know if you're going to be playing three of which three of Gordon, Jordan, Powell, Barry. Okay, so I think I think two of these speak for themselves. First of all, I'm never benching Gordon again because I felt that pain in round one and his scoring ceiling has him permanently on my field. So take him out of the equation. The second player that sort of speaks for himself is Powell. He, without Cunnington this week, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jed Anderson, is he a long-term injury? Or? Yeah, he's out, yep. Yeah, so the, we've just seen what he can do with extended midfield time, actual midfield time. Um, I think I back him in to go 70-plus again. That leaves Barry versus Jordan. Now, I hate these two selections passionately. Um, I think they're two of the most frustrating players to <laughs> own and have on field at any point. Um, just watching them for, for different reasons as well. Barry just being stuck forward and then getting a fight, like an opportunity and either a play, like Barry got a touch on the wing this week and Laird turned it over by hitting Kane Turner behind the play. And it's like, this might be his only touch for the game. <laughs> Please don't take it away from him. Um, is incredibly frustrating, but it is not more frustrating than someone only getting 40% time on ground and that's Jordan. I, I just can't, I can't feel Jordan again for the season, I don't think. Yeah. So Barry would be the guy that I select over them, over him and specifically. Those des- those deciding between like Campbell, Rowe and two, two of the three of Campbell, Rowe and Waterman. Okay. So, I, I mean, again with Campbell, it kind of, it speaks to what I sort of said. Did I just call him Campbell? Yeah, I did. Did you call him Campbell? I did. You put that on me. I blame you for that. It's Campbell. Um, <laughs> the, the thing with Campbell, again, is that the high ceiling, you just don't ever want that on your bench. And I know we've seen his quote-unquote floor as 29 or whatever it was against Richmond, but realistically, he's not going to have that sort of floor every match. It's probably only going to be once or twice in the season. Um, I'm pretty confident with him on field. Uh, and then Rowe, I guess, um, despite him not filling me with any confidence literally ever after the first week, um, Fremantle at Adelaide Oval is a surprisingly good fixture for him. So um, 50, just get 50. I can see 50 from Rowe. Um, Waterman, I just honestly, like I, I, I know I watched him both weeks that he played, but I just don't know enough about him. There's not enough data for me to field him confidently. Brisbane's a really should be a tough matchup, so I'm with you. Yeah. I, I second. You, I'm, it's like I'm looking at my side and you're just picking all the rookies for me, basically, because that's that's what I've done this <laughs> week. So, um, I yeah, I'm with you there. And I was and screaming how's... at you and Cheese on the podcast last week. Um, and you, it took you too long to mention that Powell had no Jed Anderson and was like a, a huge lock on field. And I was like yelling it at my my, head, <laughs> my phone. I was like, please just lock in Powell on field. And but I think got, she's was like, I'm going to an And I was like, come on, please. No, what about the uh, captaincy options this round? Do you see anything that you like? I mean, the thing is we don't know. Uh, yeah, Highmore plays 
plays is a strong word on Thursday night is going to be locked out. So that's some people's loophole. And then other people um, probably have to choose an option within the first three games as a VC option. Yeah. So, so you got to pick a VC from the first couple games and, and then the C option for later. So for those playing aggressive, like I likely will this week, um, uh, that are getting Jack Steele in, I think he off the bat is a great VC option against Richmond who um, tend to concede larger midfield scores against. Um, that one at Marvel Stadium as well, I think will benefit him quite a lot. Um, Grundy... He, might be contending with two other Ruckman this week, so he might be a wait and see. And against Nick Nat, I suppose he doesn't usually score well. The game against Gold Coast, though, is big for anyone who has McRae, which I assume is just a lot of people listening. Um, he, against Gold Coast, has a really good record, and if Took Miller's going to run with anyone, I think it would be um, Trelaw or Bontempelli. I think McRae's quite safe to go out there and do as he pleases. Um, into the captaincy of uh, Reliable Gorn is a good one. Um, I don't think Cawthorn are going to tag, so even if you want to go with Clayton Oliver, if you think McAvoy and Segler will sort of weigh Gorn down, I don't know. But um, essentially, you've got some you've got some good options this week. All right, so full disclosure, JB's uh, internet has dropped out, so I'll just give my thoughts and then wrap up the podcast. Basically, uh, for the captaincy options... Uh, this week, it's frustrating that the Bulldogs and the Sydney game are both at 4.35 p.m. at the same time, which means even if Flynn is out and even if you have um, a forward mid DPP from Gold Coast, it doesn't help you with your uh, loopholing option this week. So we might be very limited, particularly if Cozzy does play. I wouldn't feel comfortable you know, loopholing with Cozzy this week given Mitch Lewis's suspension. So it's going to be risky um, trying to find a loophole option at all this week. I feel very secure in picking both McRae just slapping on the C given Gold Coast. Even Dunkley probably has a high ceiling, but I feel less secure in that. And otherwise, it's it's hard to go past Gorn against, you know, whichever Ruckman they decide to play with um, Hawthorne. I think it, it's almost a no-brainer. So... Uh, basically same wavelength um, as JB and uh, we will finish up the pod if you uh, want to find us on Twitter you can find us at Dr underscore SC if you want to find JB on Twitter you can find him at JB underscore DRSC if you want to find uh, I've changed myself, it to Mr 97 by the way uh, he, he's changed his Twitter apparently to Mr 97 um, I'm not sure why he's going to do that. I'm about to create another account and take JB underscore DISC so, so he can't change okay. back. Um, so, I, don't, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> um, if you want to find myself, you can find it at uh, pistol underscore DISC. And if you want to find Chizo, you can find him at Chizo underscore DISC. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in for a long podcast. And we will catch up with you next week.